I want to talk to you a little bit. Um, lately, you know, I've been asking God, you know, to show me what is important. Because uh, there's, you know, order and importance to things in life. Um, you know, for example, how you handle a child that comes to you with a scratch or how you handle a child that comes up to you with a broken arm. You'll probably react differently, right? So, but for example, a good, good example is ER. I've been thinking about, a lot about that. You know, I, there have been times where we had to go to the ER. And, um, but there's people that come with colds, you know, they sit there, you know, like, oh, I'm not feeling good. I'm going to go to the emergency room. Like, in fact, before when I heard somebody say, I'm in ER, and I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm like, I have a cold. And I'm like, oh, why? why? <laughs> it's mostly men probably, right? Like, um, but there's urgent things, you know, and there's a, uh, a person that has a, you know, a oh, Alicia. Okay, I'm going to see if we can get her to Sunday school. Can you walk out? We'll take you there. Thank you. Awesome. I missed my window when I saw my wife for a second, so. <laughs> All right. So, emergency room. Uh, I'm sure you can ask Annie. She's one of our, the nurses. She works a lot on Sunday, so we don't see her always. But there's different codes that they have, you know, code red, code blue, and stuff like that. There's things that are very urgent. There's, um, and firsthand, I got to experience that in 2013. It was a very difficult year for me. It was the year that my mom passed away. But a month before my mom passed away, um, I come home, and I see my dad laying on the porch, and I'm like, oh, no. You know, my dad is a strong guy. And, but anyways, got him to emergency room. Um, you know, and they're asking this date of birth or anything. I'm like, no. I'm like, we need to get in right now. And so I'm pretty sure he's having a heart attack. And uh, they got us in. And I will never forget this. Um, seeing how, I mean, this whole scenario. So they get him in. Dad's laying down, and the nurses are like, what is your date of birth? What is this? You know, and they're asking these di different questions. And then this doctor walks into the room. And, boy, I've never felt so excited. At the same time, I was worried, and I was scared, you know, at the same time. But he walks in. He's like, move, get out. What are you guys doing? Are you guys idiots? This guy is having a heart attack. He just moves them all to the side. Give me this. Give me that. Boom, just starts operating. Never in my life did I feel like, oh, my goodness. I feel like my dad is a VIP. And he's like, here's what we're going to do. There's only one way we can get this. He's like, I got to give him this shot and in order for us to, you know, because there's a blockage in the artery. And he's like, we need that temporary blockage to be broken. Um, you should probably sign this, you know. And I was like, yes, sir. No question asked. My dad's life is on the line. That's urgent. Very urgent. And, man, I felt so good. I was, like, just standing there. I'm like, yeah, this is the kind of doctor I want. I don't care if he has different manners, you know. This is, this is somebody's life is on the line. So, but one thing we agree on, right, if somebody's hurting or somebody's suffering, we all feel it. Like, if somebody in your family is going through something where your kid broke your arm or whatever, you know, fell off a four-wheeler, you're going to be very worried. You're going to be very concerned. You're going to be very, you know, you're going to really, your whole body goes into this kind of a mode. Um, anyways, and, but speaking of that, last week, uh, Pastor Mark and Jason had an awesome word talking about the importance of body in Christ. Um, what is body of Christ? That's us. You know, we're a family in one body. And um, I was thinking, you know, different members as how we have different members, but we serve one purpose. You know, a thumb. We never think about it, right? But a thumb, probably like the least attractive 
finger. I mean, maybe just for me, but <laughs> but try grabbing anything without your thumb. It's like, what? I'd rather use chopsticks, you know, like this is, it's impossible. So, um, but that serves such a vital role. So everybody's got a different role in the body of Christ. We're in the family. So, if, but if one, if one person goes down, we step in and we compensate, we help out. If, you know, if your wife is sick, all of a sudden you're like, okay, sweetheart, I got this. Vice versa, you know, if a husband has a cold, you lay down, right? <laughs> is that what happens to the husband when we're down with a cold? I don't know. But my point is, whenever there's suffer, everybody else feels it. And that's what's so awesome. It was a great illustration by Pastor Mark last week. And, um, but we need one another for the body of Christ. So, and last time I shared a message, um, how we're all connected with each other, if you remember. Um, and we are important to one another. I said that sometimes we're intrinsically connected. Like somewhere along the lines, you met somebody, they connected you with this person. Now we're here. And now we have a closer relationship than the person you originally that connected us. So we're all connected. So this leads in perfectly to um, my sermon. And so if you can lean over, when you say it together, to say it to your neighbor, say, you must be important. Can you say that to one another? Now your second choice. Awesome. Yeah. You are important. You must be important. And that's the title of my message. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is mighty. It is powerful. Lord, speak to us, Lord. And uh, we just love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. That's just alive. That it can just, we can read the same passage so many times, but... And then there's times we read it and we see it from a different perspective. Thank you, Lord. We accept your word and speak to us, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So lately I've been focusing. I would read a passage and then I was like, Lord, can you reveal it a little bit more to me? And there's been many times like that in my life where I read the story so many times. And I'm like, oh, oh. And then you're like, oh. And so my sermons lately have been about that. It's more of like just one passage, but it's kind of broken down into pieces. And I'm going to try my best to bring that across to you and just the experience that was on my heart. So, but what I've started in the beginning, I said, have you noticed um, what's important things? There's certain importance to priorities. So, but have you noticed that oftentimes what we think is important is not necessarily important to God? And I'm not talking about, you know, deciding what's important. Like the other week, me and Larissa wanted to go on a date. We were trying to decide between the two movies. Like, you know, Hobbs and Shaw or The Angel Has Fallen or whatever. Or where to dine out. I'm not talking about that. What's important? That can be important if your wife is pregnant. So be careful about that. But like, you know, China Lights, Olive Garden. Hmm. You know, the, I'm not talking about those things, you know, uh, the importance of life. I'm talking about more bigger things. But Lord, show me what's important from your perspective. Because... I'm afraid to live my life you know, wasting my time and energy on something only find out that it wasn't really important. Or investing into something, like investing some time to a person only in the end to, be, to get burned. You know? So I'm like, Lord, show me what's important. Put, help me see things from your perspective. And that's what I kind of want to talk about. So um, I know that Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. Um, that's Matthew 6.33. But oftentimes, I don't really know what that looks like at the moment. Like, what is important? There are things that I would thought, you know, that were more important in my teen years 
Um, but now I'm at the wise age of 33. <laughs> I'm no longer looking at things, you know, the same way. For example, you know, in elementary, like, there were leap piped jeans. I don't know if somebody knows. <laughs> somebody could relate. <laughs> oh, that was the coolest thing. And then DC shoes, these skater shoes. And I was like, oh, man, those kids would wear them. I mean, if you actually look up what Lee Pipes jeans are, you know, <laughs> you would laugh probably. Hey, it might come back around. I don't know. I'll be pretty excited. But, you know, <laughs> you go to middle school, you know, and you're a different level of importance there. You know, hairstyle. Like, all of a sudden, you're interested in girls. You know, there, there's certain prayers. You get to high school, it's like, you know, lifting muscles, you know, cars, Driving, 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 driving. It's important. I got to start driving. That's like, that's your priority when you get to high school. And so, but what's important in one season doesn't mean that it needs the same attention in this season. So what I wanted to say is that, because that even applies to uh, people in life. So I know that everyone is important to God. God is unlimited resource. You know, he can love everyone. I'm not much like God. I'm limited, you know. There's only so much that I can give. There's only so much bags of chips in the vending machine of my heart, you know, for others people to reach out. You know, eventually I'll run out. But the, there's, but ever spent, you know, so much time investing that I've said a little bit earlier, like into someone, and you're like, man, I have an example for that. I remember a few years back, actually more like four years back, when we were, uh, my brother, I worked for my brother, Eagle Eye Storage, for those that don't know. Um, and when we just started open our uh, uh, business, and we were trying to, you know, get this thing going. And so I, I was specifically was targeting see if we can get Google reviews. Because nowadays people Google everything. And I'm like, okay, great. So with every customer, I would be a little extra special and give them a free lock here and there. I'm like, hey, if you can want to write a review, maybe mention my name. And so for, the, for these folks, I did this and that. I gave them free lock, waived the setup fee. And I'm like, did all those things for him. And then later on, the following month, their card declines, you know. And I call them, and it's, it's a good thing to do. I email a card decline notice, and then I call them, and I said, hey, just so you know, we tried processing your card, you know, and your card declined. We just want to make sure if you can take care of it before the late fee applies on the third day. They lost it. I mean, they were like, what? What kind of operation is this? And they just went off on me, hung up. I'm like, just warned that actually before the late fee applies, wouldn't you want to be notified? <laughs> I could not believe it. Uh, wasted so much time. Uh, but then in the end, they go and write a Google review, Yelp review, Facebook review, everything you can possibly imagine. Like, even MySpace. Who uses MySpace these days? I mean, <laughs> like, what for? What did I do, you know? And so you invest the time, and you're like, why in the end, you're like, well, that wasn't worth it, you know? So uh, that applies into life, into people sometimes. We spend so much time, and you're in the end, like, what? This is how you treat me? <laughs> but I need to be led by the Spirit to know what's important. You know, who am I putting my energy and time into? Who am I spending more time with? God, show me the importance. In the last sermon, also, I look back in Mark uh, 5.21. Uh, when we see um, Jesus stopping to heal a woman um, on the way to heal this little girl. But we are shocked that, you know, Jesus' decision, because he was on the way to heal a daughter of somebody who's very important. 
And then someone interrupts his walk. This woman touches Jesus, and he stops, and he waits, and he's like, okay, let's hear your story. So, and this woman isn't even given a name. She's not even important, you know. It seems like in that society, you know, kind of, and especially this woman was also sick, you know, everybody looked down upon. And, but it's, it's incredible. But this guy was Jairus, you know, a synagogue leader, very important. And there's this unimportant woman. But he stops en route. And, and he, in fact, while he stops to heal this unimportant woman, the important girl of the synagogue leader dies. But Jesus isn't concerned about that because he's the healer, yes, and he's also the resurrection. His priority at that moment is to show people a deeper revelation of who he is. The only for, way for him to show that, you know, that his revelation of his power and authority is to upset their priorities to stop something to stop for something that they thought wasn't important. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So all of a sudden it's like, well, Jesus is like, no, I'm not going to go according to your schedule. And he stops, but from a human perspective, we're shocked. That's urgent. That's an emergency. This can wait. This woman received the healing. And I previously mentioned this girl told her whole story. You know, when the lady tells you her whole story, but there was something happening. God was working on Jairus' heart at the same time. Yeah. But most importantly... God was going to display his authority and what he can do. Like he will resurrect this girl. So this provides opportunity, like I said, for God to do something more greater. But if he had done it, if he went according to, his plan, uh, according to their plans, he wouldn't have been able to show that. So sometimes God will upset our priorities to show his power in a new way. I've witnessed that so many times in my life. And I know that's hard to clap at that, you know, because if God, sorry, if God has been doing some unusual things in your life lately, it seems difficult, you know, to have Jesus follow your agenda. Maybe he is reordering your priorities. Amen. Showing um, you the order of importance in life. And so that's how uh, you know that, you know, God's presence, God's presence is increasing in your life, it will shift your priorities. Goosebumps don't prove the presence of God. No. I, I get goosebumps from Bruno Mars, Mar <laughs> Mariah Carey listening. You know, this doesn't prove the presence of God. Feelings don't prove the presence of God. They're very often misleading. But what proves the presence of God is that when my priorities begin to align with His. And so... This will require, require a collision because worldly things and spiritual things are opposite. And I'm going to get to that storm a little bit later, and I'm going to uh, touch on the importance of that storm that I want to talk about. But now we're ready for Mark chapter 5. So a story that Mark thought was very important to include for us, okay? Uh, so Mark chapter 5. Now imagine having to write a gospel account because, so every gospel account has like different theme. If you actually know, Matthew has one. Luke has one, Mark has a different one, but Mark chooses to, his theme is God's authority. And it's really cool. So if you want to hear, it has more miracles. And so, but I'm thinking, which miracles do you choose? Because scripture even talks about everything that Jesus has done, it would be hard to write everything in the writing, you know. But imagine sitting, you know, in Mark's position, writing a gospel account. It's not like you're going to go, well, when he healed that blind man, that wasn't any good. 
because, you know, he, he, he opened so many eyes. So it would be hard for something. But Mark chooses to include this story that we're going to talk about. So, but, you know, Jesus, the stuff that Jesus did on his way to his appointments would have been our greatest accomplishment in our life. So Mark has decided, hey, let's show this God's authority in here. And authority, we know that it's, it's illustrated, not explained. Okay? Because people who think they're always in charge are, aren't really in charge. <laughs> how, many, how can you say amen to that? Yeah. When you have the power, you don't need to shout about it. Because, you know, so Jesus, Jesus, his priorities are going to be different. Anyway, so I want to talk about authority. There's certain things talking about explanation. Um, you don't even need to explain. For example, okay, there's a look that Larissa can give to Ryan or Alita that will just make him stop on the tracks. Just one look. And all of a sudden, oh, Ryan can't even walk or talk, you know, but the authority of a mother. And moms can say amen to that, yeah? So you see that? It, it, it's, it's, it's demonstrated, not talked about or explained. Um, so this is the demonstration of Jesus' authority. Okay, so they went across the lake. <clears throat> uh, they went across the lake to the region of Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs. <clears throat> no one could bind him um, anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs, and the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from distance, he ran and, and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? Now, keep in mind, your first response to God is often fear. Um, when he shows up in your life with authority, you know, there's something in you that will resist that authority because it goes against our natural human design to be in the presence of the one that's greater than us. Okay? So what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. Verse 8. For Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. So Jesus challenged the spirit within the man. <clears throat> the spirit within this man resist the challenge of Jesus. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? <clears throat> Jesus asked him a question not for information, but more for a, a revelation because he knows all things. Amen? So he says, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he, or the demons within the man, begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Get to talk about demons today. <laughs> Last week somebody mentioned angels. <laughs> But this is where it gets interesting because the Bible is way more entertaining and more interesting than we give it credit for it. So exhibit A. Verse, <clears throat> verse 11. A large herd of pigs. Now, we know that we're no longer in Jewish territory. It's a Gentile region because pigs. Uh, a large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. Verse 12. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. <clears throat> So he says, you can leave this man, and you can jump on that pigs, on those pigs. 
And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. They heard about 2,000 number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. That's where we get the term deviled ham, right? <laughs> That's a joke. Um, verse 14. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this uh, in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. Verse 15. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons, sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. Now, I want to jump a little bit back to the chapter before that because you can't tell this story, this main contact, uh, content that I read, without talking about the storm leading up to that. So if we go to, this is chapter 5. Now we're going to go to chapter 4, end of chapter 4, uh, verse 35. And I want to talk, you know, real quick about um, storms. How many of you are going through the storm or have been through the storm or, or know that storms around the corner? Okay, so we can relate. Here we go. Um, because the end of chapter 4, you know, it talks about the storm or the miracle that, the storm that happened before that miracle. Now, Mark didn't put those chapters in. We added them later, you know, people that were composed of putting the Bible together. Jesus right. Uh, God, I mean, Mark writes it as, a, as one story. So, Mark uh, chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. That day when the evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along. Just as he was in the boat, there were also, uh, there were also other boats with him. Verse 37, a furious storm came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. I also talked a little bit about that in my last sermon. But the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm, instantly. He said to his disciples, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked, each other. Who is this man? They marveled at his authority. Um, that even the waves and the winds obey him. N note that he doesn't tell them why. He just tells them what. He's like, let's go to the other side. But can you obey God when he says, when you don't e when he says let's go, but you don't even know why? Can you just get in and go yeah. where, where you don't know where you're going? If you believe he has all the authority. You don't need to know a lot of information, details. You know, God, uh, Abraham knew, he was like, if I'm going to go there, God is with me. I, he has got long, good track record <laughs> of being faithful to his word. Now, thing that I want to point out also, note that you can't cross over without a conflict. Jesus is moving the mission forward. So Jesus is leaving the comfort zone. It was in Capernaum. Nahum, which means um, a place of comfort, if, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. So he's leaving the comfort zone and is moving into the enemy territory, the land of the Gerasenes, um, across the Sea of Galilee. Like some of you may be doing right now in your life. You're beginning to move forward in the things of God. 
you are changing your circle of friends, people maybe you're hanging around with. You're changing your values. So you have begun to prioritize the presence of God. And I'm talking this for myself because lately that's what I've been doing. I'm like, there's certain things that I just drain my energy. There's certain things. But presence of God is very important in my life. But let me warn you. The moment when you make the God your priority, the enemy will send a storm. You never cross over without a conflict because change causes a conflict. When you make any kind of a things that you're used to and all of a sudden you decide to make change, diff- change things different, they require a conflict of some sort. Now, this is even more strong. When you decide to follow Christ, you, you're going to feel it. Because I'm thinking, did, did you expect the devil to, to let you go without a fight? You, know, you expect that he would let you leave Egypt after he, you know, been... You've been serving him for 42 years. The reason the storm is raging might not be the reason that Jonah's, you know, headed away from the will of God. It might be because you are crossing over into the calling that is on your life. That's what the conflict is about. It's like God wants to do something great in your life. And you're like, why is this this tension? It's because you're deciding to prioritize the presence of God. I know I should probably calm down. I get excited about talking. But, you know, sometimes when you're going through the storm, you need somebody to shout and say, hey, you're going to make it. (sighs) How do you know, Vic? Because Jesus said we're going to the other side. That means you can't drown in this. You got to make it to that. We're going to, uh, uh, to the other side, across the Sea of Galilee. So I've preached so many times about the storm. Everybody you know, probably heard sermons, so many countless sermons about the storm. But storms, there's, there's something about this storm that I want to talk about. And the question, you know, I've, I've always asked, you know, you know, you will survive where I would say, hey, you're going to make it, you know, you're going you're gonna to go through this storm, you know. And, but the more important question um, to ask instead of, will you survive, is why did you survive this storm? Have you thought about how many things the enemy did, you know, even early in your life, to try to stop you from having a relationship with God? I can list a ton of, the, <laughs> ton of moments. Now, remember, this is Mark chapter 4, right? We went back. Uh, this man hasn't seen Jesus yet. And yet there's a storm sent to the Sea of Galilee to keep Jesus away from Jesus reaching this man, okay? So you're thinking, okay, well, Vic, you know, how do you know the devil started the storm? How, how do you not know? Maybe it was climate change, or gl- global warming. I don't know, you know. Because <laughs> it said Jesus rebuked the wind and the waves. Jesus doesn't rebuke natural elements. He rebukes demons, the same demonic oppression that was within this man that sent the storm to stop Jesus from coming to him. You must be important. That man must have been important that the storm started. You were on the devil's hit list before you were even born. There are things in your family line, you know, that were happening probably before you were born. 
that were designed to keep you away from this moment even to being today in the church, this moment. I truly believe that. Um, touch someone and say, you're important. Say, important. You're important. Amen. Because despite of all the storms, right, despite it, he had, that had your name on them, that were, went against you, despite all the winds and the buckets full of water and everything like that that Jesus had to go through, look at you. Where you're at right now. I look at myself, I'm like, my goodness, how did I go through that year? My, my dad had a heart attack. The month later, my mom passed away and had such a close relationship. I mean, how did I go through that? But you've made it. We survived. Amen? I know you're important because of your storm. The size of your storm tells me that there's something very important about it. There's something important in your life. There's something important about the assignment that God has on your life. I truly believe that. And this was, like I said, given to me heavily to share that today. And I don't know who, the, who that, that word is for, but I hopefully I believe that you will accept that today. Because the devil doesn't start a, you know, a storm for somebody that he's not threatened by. Nobody attacks what isn't valuable. If a thief breaks in into the house, he's not going to go for a pantry, you know, Oreo cookies. He's, he's going to go for the good stuff. Gold, guns, whatever. Um, if you get to watch our, our soccer team play sometimes, okay, Alan is one of my, Alan's the most probably valuable guy on my soccer team. I can say that confidently because he can be an incredible goalkeeper, incredible defender, incredible midfielder player, and he shoots like crazy, meaning <laughs> our last championship game we played here, um, he had like three guys marking him all the time. This guy is important on the pitch, okay? He's a threat to the enemy. Well, I can't say enemy. Opponents, okay? Sometimes it feels like you're playing the other team. In Anchor, you play Anchorage League, you feel like you're playing an enemy. <laughs> Let me tell you that. <laughs> but, I mean, he literally could take shots. And I've, true story, like keepers caught the ball a couple of times and they would go down. Caught it and went down with cracked ribs. That's how powerful his shots are. So, but what I'm saying is, you know, he's important on the soccer field. He's a threat. Now, I'm, I'm all right, but, but if I was to go, if I was to go play in NBA, let's say NBA Finals, Game 7, you know, I'm sure that no, I, w I wouldn't be a threat if I was on the court, you know. In fact, they would gladly hand me the ball. They would make me run all across, you know, run around them, these tall basketball players. I'm not, I'm not a threat. You only guard what's valuable. Amen? So why would you guard someone who isn't in position to score? Why would devil send a storm against you? Because you and me are important to God. Amen? Amen. Because it made me think the other day I watched a cartoon of the wolf that was trying to blow the piglet's house, pig's house, you know. The devil could be blowing on your house, <laughs> trying to take it down, but your house is on solid rock. Amen? Hallelujah. So, you know, I was confused for so long because I thought, you know, the storm meant that God had left me. And I'm sharing this from my experience. But in this passage... The storm means he is on the way. 
You know, Jairus thought that was it. His storm probably couldn't have gotten any worse at that moment, right? That synagogue leader I was talking about earlier. He's, somebody taps him on the shoulder. It's too late. Jairus, it's too late. Those people that are negative in your people. <laughs> Always have that annoying voice. Anyways, like, it's too late. You know, why bother the teacher? You know, your daughter is dead. So you think about it. The, the storm couldn't have possibly gone. He thought it was done. But Jesus was on his way. If you're going through the storm right now, or one happens to hit Wednesday morning, I want you to know the storm is a sign that grace is on his way. That you are important to God. Because it says, that, you know, like I said, uh, the storm came up suddenly. The moment Jesus started walking in the direction of the man, the storm started. The moment you choose to follow Christ, the enemy will do anything to take that moment that you have designated for God, the time that you are spending with him. James uh, chapter 1 uh, verse 2 talks, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials or storms of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You must be important. When preparing the sermon, I thought, you know, when I get to this man, Legion, um, you know, and when I'll say, you know, he lived among the tombs, that he was, you know, out of control and cutting chains and cutting himself, uh, many of us will disassociate ourselves, you know, from him. Like, I, I, oh, I got some problems, but I'm not that bad. <laughs> Maybe I'm, we're more like disciples that were on the boat. But then, He's like, are you sure, Vic? So I was talking about earlier how I, was, I would read the passage over and over again. And I heard, I heard are you sure, Vic? Because I was like, I'm not. I'm, there's no way. I'm, I'm like that guy. It's a legion, you know. <laughs> but I want to break it down a little bit. And it's so incredible how God can open the scripture for you. So it says he lived among the tombs. So you don't go to dead places? You know, for some, a tomb is a mall. For some, it's pornography. For others... You know, it's social media. On Facebook, reading the comments. Oh, my gosh. What are they? Did they say something about me? And they're sitting there comparing. And that's draining. That's a dead place for you. And that's your tune. That could be. For others, you know, it's, like I said, it's just constantly getting into battles on comments. Whatever it is. It's like social media. Others, it's different. It could be a different thing. But it, and then it says he was out of control, broke the chains. Okay. So, you're telling me that there's no things that you're out of, that are, might be out of control in your life? I know I have. I had times before. Some, for some people, it's excessive eating. That could be me right there. Uh, for others, it's, you know, drinking, you know, excessive spending. Just out of control. Some people have anger issues, and they just snap out of nowhere. Yeah. Saw the guy one time at State Fair walking, and all of a sudden he was just walking. He... <laughs> I was like, whoa. <laughs> um, that guy just lost it. He just snapped. I didn't realize there was a spider web there. <laughs> you know, but, but still, he was like, ah! And he just dropped a couple F-bombs. I'm like, what? Why? <laughs> anyway, so for other people, it's gossip. You know, they're, uh, they're out of control in their gossip. There's this gal, I'll never forget, um, I was with this one pastor, and he's like, hey, uh, that was here, evangelist. And he, I would go anywhere, kind of 
different places because they gave him rides and we fellowshiped. And uh, this one gal comes up and she says, Pastor, I don't know. Um, I love to talk about others. I love to gossip. <laughs> I can't control it. <laughs> She's like, it just drives me. You know, there's, there's certain things that really possess people. Um, and it says also, night and day he would cry out and cut himself. Now, I know we wouldn't be, I'm not talking about cutting yourself, but there's times where we hurt ourselves. We keep getting in bad relationships and like, like and then crying in the end at night. Oh, why did I do that? And doing it again and again and again. I like how my dad says, how many times you can step on the same rake over and over again, <laughs> you know? But it happens. We're people. Um, said he's, his name is Legion. Okay. I know that's scary for many people. But because for me, we are many. And I, that's, this is where it spoke to me more. Because it said, do you know your name? You know? Do you know who you are? Because Jesus asked them, who are you? He asked his name. You know? We have so many different personas. Meanie-me's. Masks that we put on for people. Yeah. A little bit of Legion, huh? It sounds like. <laughs> Because, you know, somebody says, hey, Vic, you know, Ryan is your mini-me, a mini-you. I'm like, yeah, you couldn't be more right. There's a lot of mini-me's. There's a morning me that when I didn't have coffee. (laughs) There's an online you making sure I got the right angle, the right face, you know. Um, There's a Sunday morning you. And there's a Friday night you. So we have different faces, you know. So I'm like, oh, wow. I never would have thought that this passage would just talk to me by itself. Now, remember, this man is important. We can talk, oh, my gosh, this guy's scary. But he was very important to God. And I want to make a confession. Because for the longest time, whenever I would prepare a sermon, and I was thinking, I was struggling to think, how can I preach, you know, when I have so many things that I'm working on myself from my dysfunction? I really struggled with that. And because I have chains of my own. There's things that I have plenty of shortcomings. But then God showed me, you know, this is interesting. Because I was praying for that. And a few months back, God showed me this, you know. Good smelling people who drive eco-friendly cars. Like Teslas and Priuses. (laughs) Who eat hummus and kale. (laughs) struggling with depression. People that seem like got everything together. You know, and they're on anti-depression medication. From the outside, everything looks great. You know, freaking out. These people, I've seen that once. Well, I, a gal, I happen to see different people at where I work. And she comes in and she's got, you know, she's got she's a smartphone device and she's everything. And she's like, oh, this is safe, huh? Here, okay, great, great, yeah. I'm trying to keep things right in my life. And, you know, yeah. And she drove an eco-friendly car. I think she drove a Tesla. Um, that's where it's coming from. So don't think I'm making fun of people that drive Priuses or anything like that. Um, but I just, I realized. But then she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm going through this. I got, I got so many things to do. And she keeps talking to herself. And I'm like, oh, Lord, bless her heart. I, is she okay? So... On the outside, somebody's like, oh, great, they got it all together to drive a nice car. So this brings us to alertness of, you know, things to know that not everybody's got it together. And Jesus said, Vic, you aren't the only crazy one. (laughs) Everyone needs Jesus. Everyone sinned. Everyone has fallen short of God's glory. That's what it says in Romans. I love that it says in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 8, 
If we claim that we are without sin, that there's no truth in us, that we deceive ourselves. So after this revelation, I was no longer, you know, intimidated to preach from my dysfunction. So Jesus knew that man was crazy, but that didn't stop him from coming to him. That got me excited. I was like, if Jesus knows his problems, if, if he helped that kind of a man, maybe he knows about my problems too. But they knew, these demons knew, that this man was important to Jesus. They knew that they were about to vacate the premise and the personality and psychology of this man. And they knew that someone arrived that is strong enough to subdue, subdue them and finally showed up, you know. So perhaps you tried everything else. You tried different programs and stuff like that. But I want to declare today that you are in the presence of God. And there's nothing that's too big or too small for God. And what works can do. What shackles can do. God's about to do it in your life. Grace can do what chains can't do. Now we get to the pigs. This is a very important part, okay? So stay focused. <laughs> the, devil, uh, the devil never wants to give up any ground. So I was thinking, why, why the demons wanted to go into the pigs? They don't want to give up any ground. Once they establish a foothold in someone, he doesn't want you to be the first one in your family to have a healthy marriage, a healthy family. He doesn't want you to be the first one in your family, you know, not to need drink or to take drugs to feel better. He doesn't want you to, he doesn't want that for you. But he knows those people that make an impact. And that's who he's after. So, verse 11, I'm going to rush this real quick, so here we go. A large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. Demon begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. So, we read about that. So he gave them permission, you know, to the impure spirits. Okay, you can jump on the pigs. So, and it says, I heard on about 2,000 in numbers. That's, I looked up the value. It was around $2 million if, in modern money if we want to. Yeah, that's incredible. So Jesus says, I went across the Sea of Galilee for this man. This man is important to me. Through the storm, everything. I know everyone else forgot him, but I didn't forget him. This man is a VIP. Now, if Jesus went through the storm for this man, and he went through the cross for you, for me, how valuable must you be? Amen? Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you, Jesus says. Okay, so he goes, going to the pigs. Demons knew two things. One, pigs can't swim. We all know that. Uh, but what did demons knew that we didn't know? I think the demons understood that the people in the region over there cared more about the pigs than they did about the man. This is 2,000 pigs. That's a huge, significant amount or portfolio of these pig owners. Think about that. So what, what does the enemy attack? Whatever you value the most. He knows what you value and knows where to hit you where it hurts. That's why he'll use people to get you to push away the relationship with God, to push the presence of God. Oh, they offended me. I'm not going to serve God. But what's most valuable? It's your relationship with God. He knows that if he can get people to defend you, you will send Jesus away. Just like these people did. He knows where to hit you. He knows your insecurities. And that's where he targets. What you say to yourself about yourself. He knows what makes you feel ashamed. He knows how to keep you bound. 
That's why I think he's saying, if I kill the pigs, they'll send Jesus away. Example, in the book of Job, the devil was running around seeking who to devour, right? And, you know, and God says, have you checked out my boy Job? Dude, it's bad, dude. Like, that's modern-day Vic translation. I'm sorry. Uh, he is upright man. And she's like, oh, you know what? Uh, I mean, the devil says, you know what? Well, let me, let, me, let me touch him. Let me touch his body. Let me touch his children. Let me touch his possessions. So the enemy will use anything to attack your faith. What he's really after is your relationship with God. But he will use the pigs to get you to push Jesus away. He knows exactly where you're vulnerable. Guess where you're most vulnerable? Wherever you put your greatest value. Boy, that I've been finding that out lately more than ever. But I got news. Good news. He attacks only what's valuable. So that means if he has attacked you lately, get ready to shout, you must be important. Amen? Amen. I thought the storm meant that God has left me, but really it meant that grace was on the way. I thought shackles meant that I can't do anything for God, but really God was looking for someone to learn how to break, to know how to break chains. You must be important. You know, he threw you in the lion's den just to shut down the mouths of those lions to show how awesome and powerful God is. He allows you to go into that fire. Like Nebuchadnezzar, he threw Daniel into the fire with his men. But just to show God's importance, his glory over these men, you must be important. Sends chariots, army after the Israelites. Just to show, just to drown them, to show how amazing God is. And just show how important you must be. How else do we explain that we're still here? We are important to God. So after this man was set uh, free, said, met, <laughs> this is so funny. I want to end it with this. So but after Jesus uh, set this man free, it says, the man went down and got into the boat. <laughs> And this man's like, Jesus, you're not leaving me with these people over here. <laughs> so, as, you know, because this, you know, as Jesus was getting in the boat, verse 18, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. We got a contrast now, right? So, demon's like, don't make us leave. And this man is like, don't make me stay. So, this man is now clothed in his right mind. He's like, I'm going to come with you, Jesus, okay? I want to be on Jesus' team. Let me do the books like Judas or something. See, the devil knows. Because <laughs> the, the Judas was uh, in charge of uh, money. But Jesus did not let him. It's so interesting. He says, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. I need you to go home to the same situation that I delivered you in. I'm not taking you out of it. I took it out of you. I changed your condition, but I'm, I'm not going to leave you, but I'm going to leave you in the same circumstances. For some, it could be a job, you know, they're like, oh, I'm ready to call it quits. But there's something, there's a reason where your position where you're at right now in your life. But if God says, Jesus says, I want you to go and share what God has done for you in your life. I want you to be a trophy for me. So the man Check this out. Why? Because verse 20. So the man went away and began to tell in Decapolis. That's 10 cities. This guy that just been set free. How much Jesus had done for him. 
And all the people were amazed. See, when people, when people will see how much you changed, they're going to be amazed. And sometimes God gives you the faith to go, and sometimes he'll give you the grace to stay. But God knows how important you are, and he knows what you can do in your position right now. I was thinking, uh, this is what I really want to end on right now. <laughs> devil, I, I, it came to me last night, literally. I'm sitting there, devil thinks he always wins first. It's like watching Tom and Jerry cartoon, you guys. <laughs> it's like Tom. <laughs> always said something straps for Jerry. And, and he ends up being in them in the end. You know, he thought he won when he sent, when Jesus died. But really, he lost. Yeah, he thought that, that was it. I'm going to send these people away. Uh, these people are going to push Jesus away. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let them go into what, what they value most. I'm going to send it into the pigs. The herd goes, boom, dead. These people are like, go away, Jesus. But really, that showed the magnitude of how powerful God is. Think about it. If there was like three demons in that man, three pigs would have ran off the cliff, right? This is 2,000 pigs. This, I'm sure, was all over the local news for the longest time. What a kickstarter to your missionary work. And this man, for the first time, first man a Gentile, who hasn't spoken before, this man was demon-possessed, becomes the first missionary to the ten cities. That's how important this man was. Who would have thought, you know, you think about it right now in your prison. Who would have thought, oh, wow, I can do so much for God. Well, there's a reason that you're here. I truly believe that there's a significant calling over your life. And devil will do anything to throw that storm against you. Be alert. Be vigilant. You are important to God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up for a prayer.